Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo! (laughs) How about that? It's time for another edition of the Hey, It's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast, episode 38. On today's show, your hosts, Michael Govia and Christopher Deary, are back for more playoff action and the fantasy fallout that we can look forward to in 2021. Who would you rather have, Brandon Woodruff or Tyler Glass now? Settle in and find out the answer to this and many more fantasy questions as the guys take a look at mock draft results and fantasy potential in 2021. Take it away, boys! And we're live! Welcome in. It's the Blazo Podcast. Michael Gobier and Christopher Deary coming at you for episode 38. I just guessed. I assume it's 38. I didn't look technically. It's, it says right at the top, right above I know, but uh, I, the StreamYard app, episode 38. So that sounds right. Yeah, but right? I, I typed it in. <laughs> oh, it just doesn't update? I just I guessed. I'm, I think it's close enough. Anyways, we're live here, ready to talk baseball. It's uh, Wednesday, and it's October. We got game one in the books of the World Series, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And we're going to talk more fantasy, offseason expectations. We'll talk about where George Springer might go as a free agent and how that will affect his fantasy value and uh, kind of wherever we want to go with it. We're going to keep it open flow and uh, there's so many mocks going on. We can comment on that. I've been in a, we started doing a road fanatic mock too. So we started that a couple days ago. Um, I missed a couple picks. I got auto picked a couple times because uh, I was running a marathon. I'm not trying to tell everyone I'm running a marathon, but I have to explain that because my phone was dead. So I missed two picks, and I drafted Marco Gonzalez like in the fifth round or something. And I wouldn't do that. So I want people to know that because it's been promoted, and other people are Oh, no. It. Yeah, you're getting ragged on on the web? Well, I mean, rightfully so. If you saw that out of context, you'd be like, yeah, what an idiot. And I, I understand that. But Maybe he has a huge know. breakout season next year. <laughs> I mean, he's serviceable. He's draftable towards the end of a draft. Absolutely. I mean, but, you know, fifth round, stupid. So whatever. Hit us up, Plazo Podcast, 2Ls, 2Zs on Twitter, and Plazo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. And you can find us uh, on all the social medias. So, Chris, how are you? Are you okay? I'm great, yeah. Beautiful fall day here in Ann Arbor. I got leaves everywhere, man. I don't know. I don't like raking, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try the old uh, put the bag on the back of the mower and see what happens. I got too many damn trees here. This house is a million years old. My dad, yeah, my dad brought that up. Leaves, like, yeah, man, these leaves. I got a lot of work to do. I'm like, why don't? Why do people care about raking leaves? When did this become a thing? Like, I just let them be there. It's part of nature. Why do no. we have to organize everything? 
So last year what I did is I, I kind of mulched them all up, um, but it didn't really accomplish everything. And then like once winter comes, they get like all moldy and gross and wet. And I don't know. I'd like to get rid of them. But at this point, it's gone too far and there's too many and it might take me too damn long. I remember two years ago when we first moved in, I I raked and there was like it was like 15, 20 bags. It took me like seven, eight hours. I had a tear. My back was all messed up. I had calluses <laughs> all over my hands, even with gloves. It was terrible. So we're going to leave I understand mowing your lawn. Okay. You don't want it to grow too long and it looks bad, but the leaves thing, I, I guess if there is a negative, if it ruins your grass, then maybe that's why. Okay. That makes sense. But I still rather just like to see them fall. I mean, we got leaves all over the place here. We got a big, big property back here and, but nobody cares. Cause it's like, it's not a row of houses. I don't know. It's not, it's more spread out too. It's not like a patch where it's, going to drown out the grass. But anyways, who cares about leaves? We got leaf talk on the nines. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking leaf talk. Um, yeah, we're here to talk baseball. So you watched game one last night? I sure did. Settled in. Uh, made a couple cocktails. And uh, what time did it finish at? Right around 1130, 1145. And uh, not terribly surprised by what happened. I think the Dodgers are going to win the series. That was my prediction. Dodgers in five at the start yeah. of uh, you know the series. Um, I figured Kershaw. I mean, at this point, it's like Look, everybody else in his generation has a World Series ring. Verlander's got one. Scherzer's got one. Uh, you know, Garrett Cole has one. Um, I think at this point, it's going to be Dodgers probably in five. So I wasn't surprised that he came out and pitched really well last night. Um, a couple of takeaways of what the the Rays were doing, though. Uh, they left, uh, left their starting pitcher in a pretty long. Glass now pitched like 110 or 112 pitches. That seemed to be way too many pitches. I, I felt like maybe they just gave up and they didn't want to get to that bullpen. Yeah, it was 112 pitches. That was the most to raise pitchers thrown in two years. That's not their thing. I mean, we all know that they manage the shit out of every detail of the game, but you know, maybe they were just like, well, he's wild. These six walks was a ton. I mean, it's such a weird line. Three hits, six earned, six walks, eight Ks. Um, it was basically like an all or nothing type thing. It was really was like a tr- three true outcomes performance for him on the offensive side. He was throwing really hard, but uh, I think the patience of the Dodgers really took over and, and left him with too many jams. And I think it got to a point where, you know, Dodgers were up five, one. And at that point, I think cash maybe kind of gave up and didn't want to, you know, go to that bullpen and kind of put too much pressure on them and, you know, get their pitch count up. So we'll see what happens tonight. Tonight's going to be a very interesting matchup. So, now that he's on the table here, how do we feel about Glass now in 2021? I mean, he was a guy that I thought he. We all know he got off to a slow start in this shortened bozo season, but uh, he kind of picked it up there and was doing his thing. But he's basically a two pitch pitcher for the most part right now, still. And those are always going to give people pause, including myself. And I won my. I mean, my bet with Matt Williams that we did preseason a blowout victory, by the way, and I'm going to take it because I'm getting ragged on for my auto picks and mock drafts right now so trevor bauer yeah, versus yeah. tyler glass now who would finish higher in the rasball player raider and it wasn't even close right i mean bauer was a Cy young candidate so uh that one worked out well but people weren't expecting bauer to do what he did this year because he's only done it one year and he even did things this year that he hadn't done before with uh ramping up the rpms and the spin on his pitches so i am a, I would i mean if we're talking bauer glass now that's not really a debate right but, Correct. Yeah. I mean, we had Bauer and, you know, right in our top five or right side outside of our top five. And we were talking about starting pitchers ADP for next year. What about Glasnow versus Brandon Woodruff? 
Oh, that's interesting. I mean, you, you brought it up. Glasnow is a two-pitch guy right now. Uh, he's going to have to develop a third and fourth pitch to become a devastating pitcher. I mean, he throws 100 miles per hour, which is great. I think he threw eight or nine last night that were over 100. And, you know, had a lot of Ks last night. But uh, you can't survive in just a fa- with just a fastball being a starting pitcher. So he's going to have to develop some more. I don't think maybe next year is the massive breakout. I mean, obviously he had a good season last year. I think maybe next year he kind of tools around with with a few you know extra pitches, and then maybe 2022 is the season where he really gets into his own. And if he can harness those pitches, then maybe he he, he slides into being one of those you know top seven to top ten guys. I, I still like him. I think he's a really good pitcher, and he plays for a super solid team. So I think he's someone I like. Against Woodruff. Now, Woodruff's a guy that I really, really like this year. Um, kind of up and down season. I, it seemed like Corbin Burns ended up being the ace of that team this year. Um, Woodruff, another guy, high strikeout guy. Um, another guy who just ha- needs to harness other pitches if he's going to he's gonna move into that top echelon. I would probably go, I'd probably go Woodruff right now. I don't think uh, you would go Woodruff. Oh, I would, wow, I would, I would go Woodruff right now, yes. Wow. I was just. I thought you were going to go glass now. I feel like most people would take glass now over Woodruff in a head to head right now going into the next season, but glass now. I think Woodruff is a guy who can be the true ace of that Brewer staff, even though Burns had the nice little short run there. Uh, Woodruff's stuff and the way he was drafted coming into 2020, you know, he was ADP around like 70s. He was going anywhere from like 65 to 80, 90 area, and he was fantastic. I, I, I know he struggled a little bit in the early kind of mid part of this stupid ass season. He finished with the ERA of three and a FIP of 320. So that's spot on. And uh, he's a guy that he can minimize the contact, the hard contact, but he could strike guys out too. I mean, he just blows people away. And Glasso does that too. But I think Woodruff has more in the repertoire, and that's the X factor. Yeah, that would Otherwise, seem to make sense. I mean, yeah, I mean, just matching up their numbers against each other. Obviously, Woodruff had, I think, 20 more more innings pitched than Glasnow, um, which obviously afforded for more strikeouts, you know, a lot smaller ERA. And, you know, Woodruff had a whip under under one, so he actually put together a pretty solid season. I would have really liked to see what Woodruff would have done in 162. Yeah, I think he just would have got better because he was uh, he was ascending. I had him in my head-to-head playoff league, and he ascended, helped me out during the playoffs. He was good. He was better. And even better beyond that. And a K percentage of 31%. That's real nice. He kept the walks down for the most part. I uh, I mean, his expected ERA was 297. So it could have been even lower than that. I think Woodruff is an elite pitcher. And he's on the verge. They also will keep him in. So if you're looking for a guy to guarantee victories, if you still play wins, quality starts, Glasnow could get pulled after five a lot, even though he got to go in this game a long distance. I trust Woodruff to go six, seven innings, they'll let him carry him and then take it to Devin Williams, Hader, and company. Yeah, I certainly don't think you're going to see Tyler Glasnow throw 112 pitches next year unless he's got a no-hitter going. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, still weird. I'd like to get more information on that. But hey, anyways, we're here talking fantasy baseball in the World Series implications. You know, the playoffs are coming to an end here, so we're going to be hitting up the hot stove session very soon. We're on the brink. And I'm excited to see what kind of movement's going to happen. I'm not excited to see who's going to be cheap as fuck because <laughs> it's going to be a big ass problem. And there's going to be COVID, COVID, COVID blaming going on nonstop across baseball. They already tightrope it as it is. I mean, the Rays have like a 
what is it? They have $29 million payroll or something. It's They have like two players. Kershaw and Betts make more or as much as the whole Rays team does. <laughs> Yeah, that, that I mean, that's just a testament to how amazing the Braves front office, office is and how they can evaluate talent and what Kevin Cash has been able to do with that team. To You know, I mean, we said at the start of the year they were going to be one of the best teams in the league. I mean, you don't yeah. have to look at their payroll to, to, to see that, oh, you know, this is a pretty damn solid team. And I think they're they're going to be pretty good moving forward. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens here in the offseason. I think that's going to be a lot of the thing is, you know, guys like Trevor Bauer probably not going to get that same money that he would have gotten two, three years ago. Yeah, that is where the tipping point is. Like a guy like Bauer deserves money, uh, but he wants to do the one-year deal thing, according to him, or he just wants to keep doing the LeBron James thing, short deals, short deals, short deals. But if he wanted a long-term deal, I wonder how much he would really get because he is worth it. But people are going to, I mean, there's people that want to win a World Series still. So there's teams like the Braves and the Dodgers, not the Rays. The Rays are going to do their own plan, right? But there are a couple big spenders, the Yankees, um, that will spend money even with the COVID uh, cop-out, as I'm going to call it, because there's plenty of teams that will be fine. You have an asset worth billions of dollars. So you could loan against or have a credit line that's limitless. There is never an excuse to say, well, we just don't have the money. Because it's if you ever sold the team, you'd make it all back and then an endless amount. It's just That's, fucking yeah. horseshit. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lie of a lifetime, and people people shouldn't even argue about it because there's no debate. The asset is worth literally billions. Now, how many billions? It depends on which franchise you own. But at any rate, I just find that to be infuriating. So, having said that, with the hot stove, we'll be cooking up very soon. Uh, I agree with you, by the way. The Dodgers. I expect the Dodgers to win this one. I think it's finally their time. I'd love to see the Rays win. I would, but. Uh, the you know Kershaw get your title have it put it on the resume close it up people will forget all about the playoff thing if you have a ring right yeah I mean if the Rays have any chance in the series I mean obviously they have to win tonight tonight's probably their best chance because the Dodgers are going to go go with Tony Gonsolin who started uh you know just a, several days ago obviously he only went maybe one or two innings the other day um and the Rays are going to match up with Blake Snell you know, I talked about Snell a couple weeks ago that Blake Snell didn't pitch into the sixth inning once this year. Uh, he just has these high pitch counts. They, they don't let him go over 100. And with the way the Dodgers walked last night, they had seven walks last night. I think the Dodgers are going to try to replicate what they did last night and try to, you know, work the count, get that pitch count, count up high and get him out. I'll be interested to see what the Dodgers do after Gonsolin comes out. Um, it doesn't sound like uh, Julio Urias is going to be coming in. Um, they want to go Bueller and then Kershaw in game three and game four. So this is the Rays' best chance. Probably going to be the best betting odds would be tonight. But that Dodgers offense is just, you know, one through nine. It's just, it's really, really good. And uh, if Snell can get pitched, you know, into the fifth or sixth and maybe, you know, it's a two to one game and, you know, either way, then you have a chance when you get to that bullpen. But it's going to be really, really hard to keep that Dodgers offense down. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So when the hot stove comes through after the Dodgers win the World Series, congratulations. Yay, woohoo. Mookie Betts wins another World Series. Could become one of the great players ever if he keeps winning titles and maybe another MVP. Not this year, but down the road. So we'll look to the hot stove. The offseason, things get cooking with gas, and there will be player movement. Even if players don't get what they want, there will be collusion. We know that. I just said that. George Springer. This was brought up by our good buddy, Rip Griffin. Rip Griffin wants to know, is it too early to talk about George Springer and where he might go? What's his free agency have in store for us? Thanks for uh, commenting on Twitter there, Rip. George Springer. He's going to be 32 years old, I believe. So he's not a 
spring chicken anymore. It seems like he got a late start anyways, because I remember when he came out of UConn and he came up, he was already like 24. Mm -hmm. I think when he made his debut. So I don't think that matters, though. He's a I want to say this. He's one of the most clutch hitters we've had in recent times, regardless of the cheating. He showed it this year again, too. He had some big home runs in the playoffs. Um, but he doesn't steal bases at all really anymore. So that's totally off the books. What do we think? Uh, what do you think of George Springer? What What's the value? Um, we don't know where he's going to go necessarily, but if we had to guess, I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, at his age, he's pretty much right. Kind of getting towards the end of his prime, but you said it, he's been a super clutch player. He had, a, he had an okay season. You know, a lot of guys on the Astros had really, really down seasons. He put up 14 home runs, uh, 24 walks, only 38 strikeouts and 189 at bats, batted 265. It's good to see that the power is still there. Obviously, like you said, stolen bases are gone. Um, I, I probably think Houston's moving on from him and, yeah, where does he go? I mean, there's teams out there that could use a center fielder that can bat near the top of the lineup where he does, or you could move him down the lineup when he has that that power. You know, over a, over a 162 game season, I have a good feeling he could have put up 30 to 35 home runs, which is really really solid. Um, in terms of teams, I mean, what's the direct? I, I think of like the National League East, and I think of like the Nationals, which seem to be like sure they they lost. You know, their big bat from last year, Rendon was gone. Um, you know, Scherzer wasn't what he what he had been. Uh, Juan Soto missed the first couple of weeks. But I still feel like they had a really underwhelming season. I still think that they still have a team that can compete in that East against the Braves. So I think the Nationals could possibly be a team that you might look at. Um, another team that I like is uh, the New York Mets. I know the Mets outfield has been a disaster in terms of they just have so many damn outfielders. But I, I feel like the Mets are really going to try to go for it over these next couple of years, especially when you have an ace like Jacob DeGrom. So I think, you know, the Mets might be a, a fit as well. Those seem to be the two teams that kind of pop out in my head right now. Well, Cespedes will be a free agent. So that's the good news. He's going to come off the books. So the Mets don't have to worry about him anymore. And uh, I mean, that looked like it was a ugly break anyways. Um, in terms of people that are available, let's throw out a few names to give you guys a better picture and understanding. Uh, all right. Jay Bruce is a free agent. You know, he'll probably sign for dirt cheap. He gets, you get a lot out of what you get for nothing. You know, he's the guy who can give you 25 home runs in a full season and you can pay like a million or two bucks to get him. Um, as far as the Astros though, Michael Brantley will be a free agent. So maybe they want to retain him. But if you lose Brantley and Springer, obviously that's good news for Kyle Tucker, but Kyle Tucker got the chance to play now this year anyways. Um, Hmm. I don't know. It's interesting. There's not like a bunch of huge names. Starling Marte has a club option, and I think the Marlins are going to retain that. Mm -hmm. So he'll probably. You think he'll? You think he'll stay? Twelve million dollars. Uh, yeah, you know, a team that's kind of on the rise. Uh, I just don't see where else he would be going. He's right around that same age as Springer. Um, I think the Marlins if they traded be- Caleb Smith for him, they probably would do that with the intention of keeping. Him with the the option or what yeah I, yeah I think so and I think going back to Brantley I think Houston brings him back on a short deal. Oh okay, I could, all right, that's interesting. I mean he's he's another guy who's probably worth a lot more. I mean he's thirty four years old, so he's no spring chicken, but he stayed healthy and he is another guy who's clutch. He's reliable. It's for good contact. He can walk. Does everything you need him to do for the most part. Uh, Jock Peterson will be a free agent. He's twenty nine. Marcelo Zuna's a big name, thirty years old. And he really brought something to the Braves. Even though it was a one-year show-it deal, like he was kind of underwhelming, St. Louis comes to the Braves, right? 
And he no, he was he was fucking huge for the Braves this year. Slotted him right at the in at the number four spot. And you know they had Donaldson for a year last year, and he was really good there. And you know I was really interested to see what Ozuna was going to do because Ozuna was really good when he was in Miami, and just kind of had two underwhelming seasons in St. Louis. And you slot him into this lineup where you know he's got Acuna and Freddie Freeman ahead of him. And he just really, really fit into that offense nicely, betting in the three or the four hole. And it, I think with him, it's going to depend how long of a deal does he want. Um, I don't think money is going to be an issue with Atlanta. I, I mean, you know, they signed Acuna really young and got him at a really nice cheap price, which was really, really smart by the Braves. It was a good kind of deal for both guys at that point. Yep. Um, I'd love to see him back in Atlanta. And I think if he's back in Atlanta, he's a top 25 fantasy player next year. Definitely. I mean, he's a MVP candidate right there with Freddie Freeman. His numbers are comparable. I think the only thing that's different was a slightly higher OPS for Freeman. Um, that's it, though. I mean, Ozuna was stupid good this year, and he's in a lineup that allows that production to just keep on rolling as long as you hit the ball hard like he does, and he did this year. I mean, exit velocity, hard hit, con- all very elite. Expected betting average was elite, too. It's so. It wasn't like his 338. I believe was his batting ever. That was not a fluke. It was expected of him. And I think, I think the Rays, the Rays, I think the Braves would do themselves a disservice. Oh, if they let him walk. Well, I mean, you have guys, you have Drew Waters, you have some guys in the pipeline. They have prospects, but they want to win now. They went to the NLCS game seven, probably should have gone to the World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, he helps you take that step to finish the job and makes that lineup. Because Adam Duvall, I mean, he did, he had a wild ass season. He's gonna, he's, home runs. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna do that in, in a sixty game season. He did it. He will do that for sixty games for you. Um, yeah. But the Braves are one of you know five or six teams that like if you are a middle of the lineup bat that has a lot of power, that's one of the teams you want to play for is the Atlanta Braves. They're obviously going to be going for it. They have um, you know a nice stable of young arms. I think they need to add some veteran pit, veteran pitching with that. But if you bring back Ozuna, your lineup is set. Yep. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. That's what we hear down the pipeline on the Plaza Podcast. You're listening live. Two L's, two Z's on Twitter, Plaza Podcast. Let us know what you're thinking. Got any off-season thoughts? You want to talk hot stove? Where players are going? What's going to be a difference maker for your team? Just uh, send us a tweet or DM anytime, any place. We are always available. We do nothing with our lives but talk baseball. We serve you. We have nothing else going on. All right. So Springer, bottom line. I have no idea where he'll go, but I do think it's possible the Astros retain him. So that would be my best bet for now, unless, uh, I mean, I just don't see it. The Dodgers wouldn't take him, and I'm thinking of holes. I'm thinking of contenders. I mean, the Braves maybe? I mean, what if they let Ozuna walk and they took a guy like Springer because they wanted a clutch hitter? You know, that's something that's, I don't know, maybe crazier things could happen. That's interesting. Would you still bat him leadoff, and then you can finally move Acuna down? You don't like Acuna in leadoff? Uh, not for fantasy. I like him in I like him like three or four. Wait. Well, don't you want the st- the steals? I think he's going to get that anywhere in the lineup that he's at. No, you know. The I mean, I'd, I'd have to go in and look, but how many times did he lead off an inning and steal a base? I mean, that's I guess that, that's what I'd have to look at. I, I think either guy. way. I think no matter where he bats in the lineup, I think thirty stolen bases will happen. Wow. Well, I would love for that to be the case. Uh, I saw what happened with Francisco Lindor this year, though, and it really gave me pause. Mm-hmm. And I think that Acuna is a better steal, stealer. He's a better stolen base threat than Lindor is anyways, even though Lindor can give you 20, 25 steals. 
I just think Acuna has more speed. His sprint speed's faster. He's a better runner. So maybe that does kind of make it superfluous. Like, hey, who cares where he's at in the lineup? It doesn't matter because you you, pro- you, pro- you probably do lose out on some stolen bases. I don't think it would be a drastic drop where you see him stealing 12 bases. Okay. Yeah, no, that's true. I I don't know. But I, hey, I, I, I don't I don't see the Braves going for Springer though. I, I think you already have Azuna there. He's kind of built into that clubhouse. Um and you know, who wants a cheater? Who wants a cheater? Yeah, you know, that's a good point. I wasn't thinking about the uh, I was thinking about it with the Dodgers for sure. Like, no fucking way we want to <laughs> but you know, with Jock, Jock Peterson's leaving there, they've always got guys there, but a George Springer would help the Dodgers. So maybe you get over and you just say, Hey, come help us win. It is a business in the end, and sometimes you gotta swallow your pride. But you're right. What exactly do the Dodgers need, though? Do they even need to spend money on a guy like Jordan Springer? I think, if anything, they maybe spend more on the back end of that bullpen because, you know, Jansen and, you know, a guy like Baez is is getting up there. That's true. I agree with that as well. Uh, You know, maybe the Phillies like Springer. You know, the Phillies are desperate for clutch hitting. They don't get that. I kind of like that as an idea, too. They, They let go of McClintock, the GM. He's finally, he resigned. He's like, finally, all right, I'm out of here. I'll take the blame for them not getting the job done. So uh, we'll see what that means because they have spent tons of money the last couple of years. And they got to, they also got to sign Real Muto, which is actually a good hot stove topic where Real Muto will land. Everybody has their speculation. The Mets uh, with the new owner, Steve Cohen, who's about to become official in, I think, one more vote. They did the like executive committee vote, which (laughs) went through. And now they got to do the, 23 votes from the overall owners, which they'll get because all these things are already predestined anyway. So it's just a dog and pony show. So maybe Riamuto goes to the Mets, but Phillies would look like assholes if they trade Sixto Sanchez and don't keep Riamuto. Yeah, especially the way Sixto looked this year. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it when Ellen was on. She's just like, I really hope they bring him back because, you know, they gave up a really, really clutch prospect who is already up in the league and performing. seems like we're just talking about the NL East here. There's going to be a lot of just action <laughs> between, well, I mean, you got competitive teams there. I mean, the, the Marlins showed out this year and, you know, ended That's up making true. that expanded playoff. The Phillies were a disappointment. Uh, the Nats had a down year after winning it, you know, a, a year ago, the Braves obviously have become the class. It's, and, and you know, the, the Mets had some injuries this year and they had kind of an underwhelming season. It's a super competitive division. So it's going to be a race to see who can get, who can improve their team in the off season. Yeah. You know, you're right. You know, maybe the Padres, they're still trying to make it, take it to another level. They've been very aggressive. Maybe they go for a guy like Springer trying to include him in the fold. Even though they've got Fam coming back from injury, Grisham, uh, Will Myers. I mean, they got plenty of players, but if they decide, hey, you know, we're going to trade Tommy Fam, they don't really want him here, and then we'll go with Springer. Who knows? But these are all just random speculative guesses because we're not MLB insiders. So what, what, do you, what, what do you think the Phillies do with Rio Mato? You think they sign him? Yes. Okay. okay. I think I think there is a connection there based on uh, what we know from the outside. You know, Bryce Harper and those guys are really going to push for it, and they're not going to let him walk. They're going to give him the money. So Mm -hmm. I don't think the money will be an issue, and I think there's a locker room chemistry connection there, even though it didn't work out. But he also was hurt at the end of the season, if you don't recall. So it wasn't his fault that he couldn't play. And I was also grateful because it made a guy I was playing or would have played against lose in the playoffs. So, Well, when when you go out and – get Bryce Harper, you don't sign him just to put butts in the seats. You do it to win a World Series. So they need to surround him with as many solid players as possible. Yeah, and I think Real Muto is a part of that. So unless he really 
Unless Doesn't we don't know. There. Yeah, unless he's like, dude, this place has been shitty. I'm just trying <laughs> to be a good dude, but trying to put a good face on. But now I'm out of here and I got a chance to go play for the legendary Mets, which I don't see as a reality. Um, so we'll see what happens. I think he will resign. I'm going to say it right here at 525 Eastern time on October 21st. Real Muto resigns. Okay, I'm marking it down. Oh, <laughs> all right, great. A uh, couple other thoughts as far as hot stove possibilities. I was actually thinking of another catcher, Gary Sanchez. Now, Sanchez slipped a bit. His production was questionable. There were some home runs, but the batting average was pathetic, and the strikeout rate was ludicrous. <laughs> so, like, worse than it even ever has been for Gary Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Like, you expect strikeouts, but... The uh, rise of, uh, oh boy, Kyle Higashioka. Higashioka, thank you very much. Well done, yeah. The the reason I know that, well, so my wife and I were talking about this last night, the same topic of what the Yanks should do with Gary Sanchez. Oh, okay. So what was the analysis there? Uh, Get rid of him. Get rid of him? Yeah, so so Gary Sanchez, so... Higashioka is the personal He's 30 years old, by the way. Yeah, he is. He played like like 1,500 minor league games. He's been in the minor leagues forever. Um, if you're the Yankees, you – so Higashioka is Cole's personal catcher. Um, he showed in the playoffs that he could have a clutch bat, work the count a little bit. He's a really, really excellent defensive catcher. Um, Gary Sanchez can throw guys out, but Gary Sanchez cannot block a ball and just pass ball after pass ball. And – you already got guys like Judge and Stanton they are going to strike out a ton in that order. You have guys that are similar in terms of striking out a ton, hitting a ton of home runs, which Gary did nothing in terms of hitting home runs this year. So do you just want to throw another guy in that lineup who it's feast or famine where he's just going to strike out a ton? He's obviously bats near the end of the lineup, but there's always guys on base with him. I mean, I, I think you want to maybe go out and grab another catcher who can be at least, you know, hit for a little bit more of an average. I mean, the difference with, you know, Sanchez and some of those other boppers in the lineup, at least those guys can bet 260, 275. Um, I know you liked Gary Sanchez coming into the season. It was really, really down season, like worse than I ever thought it was going to be. Um, what's what's his contract look like? Well, he was the catcher on my team that won a title, so I was able to use him the whole season and still win a fantasy mm-hmm. title. So I, know he's cheap. I know he's cheap right now. Well, the home runs... We're still they still came in a little bit of bunches like they always do, despite him dragging down your batting average, OBP, all those things. And he's only 27 years old. He'll be 28 in December. And he has one year left on his deal. One year, five million dollars, I believe. No, wait, I'm an idiot. Never mind. I'm just joking. He'll be a free agent in 2023. Okay. It'll be arbitration eligible next year. Yeah, he's still super cheap right now. Yeah, but I mean, with his shitty year arbitration is not going to go his way. So he's just going to have to tough it out. 10 home runs in 2020, 49 games played, 178 plate appearances, uh, 218 ISO. Yeah. 10 home runs on how many hits? 15? <laughs> 15 hits? Oh 17 hits? God. 23 hits. Oh, my God. That's, is that bad? Okay, so... <laughs> He has an off season to figure this out. I think he needs to, I mean, I don't, I don't know what Marcus Timms was doing with him. Does he not listen to Marcus Timms? I mean, there's other guys in that lineup that have kind of changed their approach to become, you know, better hitters for well, average. Wait a minute. Was it Marcus Timms there in 2019 though? True. 
And he hit 34 home runs. I mean, he's Maybe still Gary hit- just didn't care this year. He's just like, I'm going to try to hit as many home runs as possible. But no, but but the, the point is, Gary's got a whole offseason to kind of fix what's going on with that swing. Um, obviously, he's not patient whatsoever. He needs to learn to hit the ball the other way and become a lot more patient. And then when that does, when that dead red ball comes right down the middle that you know it's fastball coming that way, then you can pull it out of the park. He's got to learn to hit the ball to other fields and really shorten that swing up and, and not chase as many pitches as he's doing. So he's got an offseason to kind of figure this out. He's young, so obviously he still has has time to make adjustments to that swing. So uh, my wife, as a Yankees fan, is like, "Get rid of this garbage. I'm done with him." Oh wow! Okay, well, I mean, there's that there's there's that like uh, pizzazz of having a catcher who can hit you know 35, 40 home runs. It's amazing. You just don't you don't see it very much anymore. Well, let's just remind everybody what catcher looks like around Major League Baseball. Uh, here's the free agents for 2021 here in this offseason, 2020, whatever you want to call it. 2020 into 2021, Alex Avila will be available, 34 years old. How about Drew Batera, 37 years old? Wellington Castillo, the old beef, 34 years old. Jason Castro, 34 years old. Robinson Trinos, 36 years old. He does have a club option. Uh, Tyler Flowers, 35. Brian Holiday, 33. Eric Kratz, 41. Jeff Mathis, 38. James McCann, 31. People like McCann. That's there's some problems there. Yadi Molina, will he retire at 38 years old? Wilson Ramos is 33. Real Muto's 30, as we mentioned. Ron, Austin Romine, the powerful bet of Austin Romine, 32 years old. Kurt Suzuki, 37 years old. Stephen Voigt, 36. Matt Weeders, 35. Mike Zuzino, Zunino, who's had a nice little playoff run here, 30. He's like, he uh, yeah, I mean, Zunino is basically Gary Sanchez. <laughs> oh, well. Zunino's done it for longer in terms of striking out all the time. Gary can hit for more. Gary Gary's shown more power in a full season. That's the thing. So, and he has. I don't think you say uh, you say James Zunino's, McCann. You say James McCann's a free agent. Yeah, that's a big deal in the Chicago land because they're talking about hey, we got Yasmani Grandal, but maybe he's more of a DH. Maybe he'll decline a bit. They didn't. Mm-hmm. There was some issues with him. And they wanted to play McCann more. McCann shown quite the batting average. He's been he had a good year. He's had two years where you're like, well, how bad catcher is this guy's uh, you know, he's pretty serviceable, if not above average, actually. And the Tigers let McCann go. You know, that was dumb. Well, he could have been a building block on this team, but maybe there is no building blocks. So let's not even get into that. Let's not even get into that, but. No, they could have held on. They could have held on McCann, and no one would have been like, "Oh my God, I can't believe we still have James McCann on this team." He would have been just <laughs> fine. Well, he hit two eighty nine. You know, seven home runs, fifteen RBIs, and one hundred eleven mm-hmm. plate appearances. So, like part time duty, he did his job. With the OPS almost about nine hundred. Um, I don't know. I mean, his expected batting average was two fifty eight, and his career expected batting average is two fifty. Two fifty. So, I mean, Maybe he's playing over his head. Maybe the numbers would have gone down in a full season. Catchers. Yeah. So that's what it looks like. So when you look at the catcher world and you see Gary Sanchez, who can hit home runs in bunches, which he did a couple times, and even though his season was awful, mm-hmm. he had. I remember two stretches where he hit a few home runs in a row. He hit a grand slam, really helped me out. In head-to-head moments, that does matter. And with a catcher position being trash, Real Muto, Wilson Contreras, Mitch Garver fell off, although – People are saying that maybe he'll be all right next year. I don't know. I'm, I'm off that train. I yeah, who can it. you trust? I, I, who can you trust? Yeah, I bought exactly. in on uh, Garver this year. It, 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 
it fucked me. I mean, I don't think that, you know, real talk, I don't think the Yankees give up on them. I don't, you know. As, no, no, you know, no, no, no. A household of Yankees fans, obviously Yankees fans tend to give up on guys immediately when they become trash, but I don't think they'll give it up on him. He's 27, so we'll, we'll see what he does up. next year. It's going to be really interesting to see where he's drafted next year opposed to, you know, other catchers in the league. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I wanted to talk about some of the mock drafts I've been doing. This is the Plaza Podcast, two L's, two Z's on Twitter, Plaza Podcast at ProtopMail.com. Send us your comments and thoughts. Anything you hear, challenge us. Tell us we're idiots. We'd love to hear from you. Or just uh, rate the show on Apple Podcasts, five stars if you like what you're hearing. Go either way. We will not hold a grudge. So I was a part of the Rota Fanatic mock, which is ongoing. And yes, I mentioned I missed a couple picks. We're auto-picked because I ran a marathon, so I got screwed. So I can't change those, but I did get Mike Trout fourth overall. That was something I did intentionally, and I just think you can't uh, you can't get peace of mind quite like you get with Mike Trout, you know? There's just no worries. Even if it's not ideal, if he's not the number one overall guy, I'll happily take Mike Trout at number four. What do you think of that? You're absolutely fine with the production that he's going to give you as long as he's not hurt. You know, 100 runs, 100 RBIs, 35 to 40 home runs. Obviously, he doesn't steal the bases he did when he came into this league, but you know what you're going to get from Trout. So you're always going to be happy if you get him at number four. Yeah, that's what I think. Mike Trout does get hurt, though, and I think I mentioned it on a few episodes ago about the fact that you can't always count on him if you're playing in head-to-head leagues, leagues with playoffs in September because he gets hurt or the Angels are always out of it and he's just not there mentally. And who could blame him because there's not a lot to go on. I mean, his numbers were... I'm not putting a lot of stock in 2020, and this is what we have to go back to. It's the same conversation we kind of had last week with pitchers and how much stock do you put in innings pitch limitations for next year versus what we saw this year, because nobody got to do a full season. What do we do? 2021 analysis of 2020. Well, what was the top five on Roto Fanatic? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. The top five were, uh, I think, uh, Mookie Betts went number one overall. I'm checking, 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 checking. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Efforting, 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 efforting. And, okay, so Roto Nino, our good pal, George Montanez, took... Mookie Betts, number one overall. Then my other pal, Davey Lou, Sports Nuts on Twitter, took Acuna 2. This is a Roto League, by the way. It's a standard Roto setup. And then Deegs, D-E-E-G-S on Twitter. We know Deegs. He took Soto, number three. Okay. I was just going to say, what did Soto go three? Betts, Acuna, Soto, Trout, me at four. And then my pal ben wilson a fifth pick overall took tatis okay yeah that that's kind of what i would have predicted that maybe not in that order they seem kind of interchangeable um i'm fine with mookie Betts being number one um i'm fine with juan soto being number three hmm. uh who do you think went sixth <sighs> it was our good friend the mr doctor mike carter who went sixth? Let me, let me... trey turner that's right. You nailed it. Very good. Look at you. Check out the big brain on Deary. <laughs> absolutely correct. And then uh, after that, it was Jose Ramirez. Heath Caps took Jose Ramirez. Okay. And Paul Mamino goes Trevor Story. Ooh, where did Christian Yelich go? Christian Yelich, last pick of the first round, number 12 to Matt Williams. And then Matt Williams has the turn there. Mm-hmm. So he gets Yelich and Freddie Freeman back to back. That's a nice little pickup there. Two possible NL MVPs. Absolutely. And who was the first pitcher off the board? Uh, Garrett Cole. 
No, he was it, second. Jacob DeGrom. Pick. Jacob DeGrom? DeGrom was third. What is going on here? <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm just people are trying to make a was it was it, it was it Bieber or Walker Bueller? Yeah, it was Bieber. It was Bieber. Bieber, was, Bieber went number one. All right, good for Justin Bieber, Shane Bieber. They called him Justin. Oh my god. Yep, Team Jake Dev. I don't I know Jake Dev on Twitter. I just don't know what his full name is. Sorry, Jake. Uh he took him. That was the first pitcher that went off the board. And that was wow. ninth overall. And then there was a, a string. There was a run mm-hmm. like there always is, you know. No, somebody took the first pitcher. Let's take more. So then it was Bieber, Cole, and DeGrom all in a row. DeGrom third. I find that just to be silly. I do. Because DeGrom is so good. Yeah. Is it I the mean, injuries? He's... I don't know. Like, are people just feeling like DeGrom, it's time for him to fall off? He's been doing this five, six years now of just, like, elite status. Um, yeah, there's such a track record that's and, much deeper. It, and yeah, it, it, and Bieber is ascending. You know, he's put together some solid seasons in a row. And obviously this season, which was just absolutely insane of a season. But what would those numbers look like after 162? I don't know. Exactly. We saw it in the playoff game. We talked about that last week. So Jacob DeGrom is no slouch. And he didn't, like, fall off the face of the earth in 2020 during this limited effort. He had a couple. There's always, like, these. Maybe that does bother people. These lingering injuries, these little things. And sometimes it's like, oh, his elbow acted up or it's the hamstring. They do show up more than what is typical, I suppose. But if you look at his stack ass numbers, it's it's mostly elite. I mean, he did get barreled a lot. But other than that, it's all reds. Lots and lots of red. K percentage. Expected batting average, expected ERA. It's all elite stuff with percentage. It's all elite. So what's changed? Nothing. I mean, he had a 238 ERA in 12 games started, struck out 104 guys with a whip of 0.96 in 70 innings. It's great. Yeah, he just turned 30, he just turned 32. Um, which that does that doesn't concern me. If he was 34, 35, I'd be a, a lot more concerned. If you think about it, he only threw 68 innings this year. So it'll be no problem going 200 innings next year. You know, he had three straight years of 200 innings, um, you know, in 16. And, you know, he, he got injured and only had 148, 191 in his second season with the Mets. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't put a lot of wear and tear on that arm this year. And I think that's a really big advantage here for uh, Jacob DeGrom. I would go Cole or DeGrom number one. I agree. I think Bieber's going to it's just recency bias happens everywhere. Whatever, any profession you're in, any type of world you live in, there's always recency bias and everything. And that's fine. I understand it. I, sometimes I indulge in it. It's a, it's a time honored tradition among human beings to see what's directly in front of you. That's most impressive and just jump at it. Right. But you know, doesn't mean it's correct. So, uh, yeah, so that's some of the first round from the Roto Fanatic mock draft. Uh, maybe some a couple other picks of note here. Okay, so I want to give people an idea of what I was thinking when I was thinking and able to actually make my picks, so I don't sound like a doofus. You know, I had the fourth overall. Obviously, I took uh, Luis Castillo with my second pick at uh, the twenty-second overall choice, and that was after um, Trevor Bauer had gone. Darvish had gone and Giolito had gone. So that's I would I could have had Walker Bueller, but I took Luis Castillo. That's interesting. So all those guys went ahead of Bueller. So Bueller is what, like eighth, ninth pitcher off the board? Yeah. Okay. And that I mean Bauer, Paul Mamino, uh, my guy at Rotofanatic, former pitcher, by the way, he was a college pitcher. Uh 
He's a great dude. Love Paul. Shout out Paul Mamino on Twitter. P Mamino Fantasy at P Mamino Fantasy. He uh, took Trevor Bauer, and I f- I want to talk to him about that. In fact, I haven't had a chance to do that yet because I find that fascinating. I thought he would take a guy like I thought maybe he would take Luis Castillo because he's talked about how he loves him a lot coming into twenty one, and the fact that Walker Bueller goes at twenty two overall is uh, very interesting. Very very interesting because I think he's as good as we said he was last week. Yeah, yeah, I, I like Walker Bueller a lot. I think he's in that upper echelon of guys, you know, kind of right outside those those top four, maybe top five guys. You know, we talked about Castillo uh, last week, and you talked about how you, how you like him. And, you know, I put a few other guys ahead of Castillo. I put Darvish ahead of him. I do have Walker Bueller ahead of him. Uh, but you really like Castillo, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah. Any uh, thought of taking Marco Gonzalez in the second or third round? <laughs> Son of a bitch. Let's you know, play. I didn't when realize you... Marco Gonzalez had a season that he did. He had a really, really nice season in 69 innings pitched. <laughs> yeah, he's, I mean, he's very serviceable, but if the season had carried on, I mean, it just would not have been. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a joke. He's good. He's good. He's, he's a nice player. In real life, he's a nice innings eater. He'd give you 200 innings. He really can. He'll, I mean, he had 203 innings pitched in 2019. That's great. And he had an ERA of 399. So that's that's definitely back end like guy I'd like to have on my staff. He's probably depending on your uh league setup is more of a streaming guy possibly, but he's definitely borderline like on my squad, no doubt. Pinching pinching's just so interesting. I mean, obviously you have those those elite guys and then, you know, there's a lot of young guys, you know, you look at what Giolito was able to do, you look at what Jack Flaherty was not able to do this year. You know, a lot of people were really high on him. I think at the start of this season, we we're talking about kind of Bueller and Flaherty kind of being around, you know, the same kind of preseason ADP right near each other, two young guys. And Jack Flaherty had a really, really bad season. Um, you know, when you look at guys that like, you know, a Chris Paddock, uh, you know, a Clevenger, some of these young guys, guys that maybe in, been in the league a couple of years and uh, could really, really make or break a fantasy season. If you take a guy like a Jack Flaherty and he ends up just underperforming and it could really, really devastate your team. So those kind of after that elite set of guys, you really got to, you got to make the right picks and really hit on those guys. Cause if not, it could really, really destroy a season. So I ended up taking Marco Gonzalez at round seven, <laughs> 93. Wait, uh, no 76. Sorry. The 76 wow. overall pick a little high. I could have had the guys who went right after Marco Gonzalez, Keston Hira, Matt Olson, Teoscar Hernandez, JD Martinez, Paul Goldschmidt, Brandon Lau, Anthony Rizzo, Dansby Swanson. Hmm. Those guys are really good players. <laughs> what what other okay? What what pitchers were still around then? Well, the next pitcher to go off the board, it's just dude, it's hitters. Jeff McNeil, Nick Castellanos, yeah. Charlie Blackman. Yeah, at that point, at that point, you're waiting. It was Kyle Hendricks at 89. Okay, Kyle Hendricks, and then I was. This might be worse. I don't know. I was auto picked again on during the marathon. Zach Davies picked 93 overall. Mm. When I could have had Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, Zach Wheeler, <laughs> Matt Chapman, Sixto Sanchez, Will Smith, the catcher. And then auto I took address. Dylan Bundy. Dylan Bundy at a pick 100 exactly, which was also another auto pick. Which you probably, Bund- I, I don't know. I, I think maybe you would have taken Dylan Bundy in the fifth round instead of Marco if you were actually picking. Yeah, I don't hate the Dylan Bundy at 100 overall. It's still a little high for me if in real life, but because like Steven Strasburg went the next pick. But if you look at the pitchers in that round, at Strasburg 101, Pablo Lopez 102 of the Marlins, Framber Valdez goes 105, Hazel Cesardo 106. I think I'd rather have Hazel Cesardo in terms of uh, possible 
ceiling and uh, growth. But hey, you know, these things happen. When I finally got controls back of my mock draft in round 10, I took uh, Patrick Corbin because he was at pick 117. You know, he was going in like the 30s in the 2020 ADP. He's not that bad now, is he? No, he's not. He's someone that I kind of targeted in several of my leagues as I was like, where his ADP was. And I was like, oh, this guy really has a chance to have a, you know, a sneaky good season. You know, a guy who was pretty decent the year before for the world championship team. And he just didn't pitch very well this year. I mean, the, the whip of 1.57, there's no way that's true. There's no way yeah. that, that that will continue. And he's going to drop, which I think is going to be an advantage. He is, what, 32 now, years old now, 31 yeah. He's older than you think he is, but he's now still not as bad as what he showed this year. And just another thing where, you know, maybe in 162 games, maybe he has an amazing second half and turns it around. I completely agree. I'm happy to get him at 117. Maybe I'm the idiot. Everyone else let him pass, or maybe someone's going to take him in the next couple of picks. But at 117, come on, guys. That's, that's The guy's falling 100 picks almost. I think, this off, I think this offseason, specifically with pitchers, before you draft, you're going to have to really do some deep diving into fan graphs, look at kind of what their velocities were, look at what pitches were successful, read up as much as you can on these guys and what they're doing in the offseason to kind of, you know, get those arms back in shape. You know, if there's any tweaks they're making to some pitches, if they're adding some pitches, I think that's going to be really, really important for a lot of these guys who just had down years. Another guy I took, Josh Bell at pick 148. Josh Bell. 148. He was going in the 80s. So now that's another guy who's dropping like 60, 70 picks. Oh, man. Yeah. Another guy. What's wrong? Bad. You okay? No, another guy. Bad year. Like, I just, I feel bad for a guy like Josh Bell, who was just, he was ascending. He's a guy that we were really looking at, like, oh, this guy could be really be one of those top five, top six first basemen. Right. But that's where the, this is value. This is ex- exactly. Exactly. These guys are falling. I'm going to take it because they mm-hmm. didn't just learn. They're not just done. They're not just, oh, it's over. Josh Bell's 28 years old. He can't hit anymore. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not put, this is, uh, it's the thing again, the 2020 stock of 60 game sets. If you're putting stock into it, I think you're overestimating good or bad, good or bad. Correct. You know, yeah. Bieber, mm-hmm. whether it's Bieber or Josh Bell. So yeah. just beware, buyer beware. And, you know, I'm not the expert. I don't know everything, but I have a pretty good idea of what's going on. And these picks aren't going to be ideal. I mean, I thought some interesting things of note in the, um, TGFBI, Justin Mason did his mock draft, the two early mocks. He did like eight. There was eight different ones for anybody who wanted to sign up in the industry. So I was in League 6 or Mock 6, whatever the hell they call it. And in that one, it was a much different story. Number one overall, Jacob DeGrom. Hmm. So, so that doesn't mean, you know, none of these mocks are gospel. They're just giving you an idea of what people are thinking. In that one, DeGrom number one, Trout two. So Acuna three, bets four. But again, the one common factor is Tatis at five. Both mocks, Tatis goes at five. Yeah, I mean, just a lot of these guys are just interchangeable. And, you know, it's all going to be about how you build your roster. Uh, you know, if you're going for a guy like Jacob DeGrom, you know, as your first pick, there's your starting pitcher, and you got to build around him after that. Uh, you know, if you go yeah. for a guy like Trey Turner, who ended up with 12 steals in the end, I think he those steals come back next year, and maybe he gets 35, 40 stolen bases, and – you know, I, I don't see him hitting 330 next year, but the power was really nice. Uh, so, you know, maybe, you know, a guy like Trey Turner, I think you said he went sixth in, in the Roto Fanatic. You know, you're scooping up some steals early, and then how do you construct your 
construct your team after that. But yeah, I, I think those first four to five guys are all interchangeable. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, and you know, in this one, in the TGFBI two early mocks, it's 15 teams. So the first round includes 15 teams. And Manny Machado was technically a first rounder in this one. He went 15th overall, which is a big jump from what we saw last year's ADP. Is it, is that justified? Do you think he's a he's a top 15 pick? It's justified, but I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> I mean, he was yeah. the Padres just went on a tear offensively. Him and Tatis and Will Myers were just smoking the ball. Now, is that reality? Machado's had great years. He used to be like a borderline or first round pick when he was in Baltimore, but he was also throwing in some steals and he hit in a much more friendlier hitters park, in my opinion. But maybe for right handers, you know, Petco Park's not so bad, really. Yeah, for me, I would not take him uh, in the first round, but for others, maybe they, they like yeah. what they saw this year. I mean, obviously, that lineup's going to be really good again next year. I agree. Now, I took Bryce Harper at pick 18, three picks later. I'd rather have Bryce Harper than Machado. If I was at 15, then maybe yeah. I'd take Harper. I'd rather have Harper. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Lindor slips to 21. Uh, that's not too bad, really. It's not like a massive, but it is a bit of a drop-off, considering he was basically a first-round offering in 2020. And then uh, Den- this is an interesting one. Denelson Lamette goes 26 overall. I find oh, yeah. I mean, we talked about the injury. They're saying no surgery in the offseason, but we'll see, right? Yeah, well, they said he's going to be okay, but even if he's does not injured, he's not 26 overall when you could have Clayton Kershaw three picks later. Okay, maybe you don't want him, but then Brandon Woodruff goes at 35. That's the next pitcher, or Walker Bueller goes at 40. I'd rather have all three of those other guys. I think I can depend on all three of those guys more. Yeah, Demelson Lamed at 26 is just blowing my mind here. When you could have Walker Bueller, Luis Castillo, and Brandon Woodruff even. I I just don't Yeah, I'd I'd rather have Clayton Kershaw. Even if he only gives you 25 starts, at least I know what I'm going to get from him. I agree. I'd rather have Zach Gallon than Demelson Lamed. And he went 46. Jack Flaherty goes 47. Oh, so Flaherty did not drop as much as maybe I would have thought. It's it's a drop from his ADP of last year, but Mm -hmm. you would have thought more. Yeah, yeah, I, I would have thought a lot more. Interesting. Yeah, well, everybody has their own opinions, and these are mock drafts, so they're not real, so people might take chances that they normally wouldn't. But you would hope, since most of these people are supposed to be professionals or industry <laughs> an- analysts, that they want to do something that would be honestly representative of what they plan to do. But hey, who the hell knows? What do we know? We're just a couple of jackasses doing a podcast, and that's our life. But I will tell you this. It's been a pleasure giving you this show. We talked a bit about mocks. We talked a little bit about fantasy implications, hot stove, offseason. If there's anything we didn't cover or anything you would like us to cover going forward, hit us up at Plaza Podcast, two L's, two Z's on Twitter. Plaza Podcast or ProtonMail.com. Deary, any closing thoughts? Final analysis? Uh, I think the Dodgers win tonight, and if they win tonight, they sweep. If they lose tonight, uh, it'll go five. It'll go five. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, in this, in this game tonight. I'm uh, I want to throw a bet out on it, but if I throw a bet out, I think I'm going to take the raise. Oh, okay. Interesting. At least on tonight's game. I, I bet the Dodgers uh, last night. I, I, I bet the, the one and a half. I gave up one and a half. Cause I, is I that a hedge? It. Sounds like a hedge. What? Well, no, no. I bet the Dodgers to win game one last night. I gave up mm-hmm. uh, a run and a half and tonight actually, the Yankees opened up at 170, minus 170. It's down to 135. So people are actually throwing money at the Rays tonight. You said the Yankees. I'm assuming you mean the Dodgers? Absolutely. 
All right. Well, there you go. There's Deary's picks. And Deary is a professional gambler, although he's not a professional. <laughs> and all bets are purely for fun, and there are no guarantees of victory. Void were prohibited. All right. We'll just catch you next week on the Palazzo podcast. Uh, we might have a guest on soon to talk about some postseason analysis of the preseason analysis that we have on, but we don't know if that's confirmed yet, so we'll tease that and hold it there for now. I'm Michael Govier. He's Christopher Deary. You can find him on Twitter at cdeary1999, me at mjgovier, G-O-V-I-E-R. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Later. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.